This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. Maybe you can recall sitting in the back of your church as a child, hearing it read from the pulpit. Maybe, maybe these words bring back the sharp sting of the death of a loved one. It's a common scripture read at funerals, which feels appropriate to read in this season of Lent for remembering our mortality. It's a bit of both for me. My, my grandma died when I was 11. She lived down the street from me, and our families were very, very close. When she died, the funeral home, I assume it was a funeral home at least, they gave us these laminated obituaries. They were almost like bookmarks, and the front of it was the obituary, and the back was Psalm 23. And I found myself reading and rereading her obituary, something about seeing my name listed as her granddaughter, making me feel close to her again, I guess. Once I had that nearly memorized, I turned it over, and I started reading Psalm 23 again and again and again until I had those words memorized. Now, I've held on to this passage for the last 20 years, but it was really only when I saw it listed as a text for this morning that I realized that I might have it memorized, but I didn't have these words internalized. I had 
get to really eat to these words, as Eugene Peterson might say. I think I just spent so long categorizing them as this prayer best reserved for maybe times of trouble or, or for funerals that I, I lost sight of its potential, the fullness of its potential, as a song for daily living. Just a general reminder of the goodness of God and the good times and the vastness of God in the dark times. So this morning, let's feast on this together. First, I want to give us a chance to really hear these words, to chew on them, if we're going to continue this metaphor of eating the scripture. We're going to do this with a slightly modified version of dwelling in the word. We've heard this read once, and I'm going to read it again, but this time it's rendered by Eugene Peterson in the message. There's something about hearing the same text in different words that might stir something a little different for us. I want to encourage you to pay attention to how it feels, to what new thing stands out, or maybe what old thing feels new again. But before I read, we're going to return to our mindful breathing. And after I'm done, we'll continue this mindful breathing for just a few moments after for a bit of time to contemplate. So once more, relax. Sit however is most comfortable for you. Maybe that's feet firmly planted on the floor with your back straight, or maybe it's your feet tucked under you, your legs crossed, and your head bowed. Close your eyes if you're comfortable, or keep them open, fixated on some point, and just breathe for a moment. In and out. And now, here again, this portion of the story that we love. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid with you by my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and your love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Amen. If anyone's comfortable, what did you hear this time around? Did anything stand out differently for you? 
Stop worrying, I've got you. Stop worrying, I've got you. In his book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23, Christian author Philip Keller wrote this. Much of the Bible's terminology and teaching is couched in rural language, dealing with outdoor subjects and natural phenomena. The audience to whom these writings were originally addressed were, for the most part themselves, simple nomadic folk, familiar with nature and the outdoor life of the countryside around them. Today, this is not the case. Many who read or study the scriptures today come from an urban, man-made environment. City people, especially, are often unfamiliar with such things as sheep, wheat, soil, or grapes. This perspective is an experienced one, and the experience, Francis, just maybe a glimpse of the life of the assumed author of this and many psalms, David. Keller was born in rural East Africa and spent nearly eight years as a shepherd himself when he was a young adult. And he begs us to take seriously this analogy of God as a shepherd. I think that this is a passage that often gives us sort of the warm fuzzies. They're comforting words to those of us who have heard them at funerals, comforting us that a beloved family member or a friend is resting with God eternally. And while this sounds lovely, to be honest, we might be just a little romanticizing these images when we read it strictly this way. As Keller points out, we modern readers largely are estranged from complete dependence, or I probably should say conscious dependence, on the land. We seem to think we have little need for green, lush pastures or these still, quiet waters. But David, David was a shepherd. And David understood that these things are not luxuries for sheep, but necessities. The imagery here is beautiful, but the implications are practical. While I've spent the last week eating this passage, I've learned a few things about sheep. One, I've learned that sheep will only rest if all of their needs are taken care of. They'll only rest if they feel full and satiated, if they are free from danger, if they feel protected. So the shepherd providing this environment is not necessarily doing so to make the wolves jealous, but to ensure that the sheep themselves will eat. This is a matter of daily life for the shepherd and the sheep. I learned that pregnant sheep who are left unprotected and feel threatened by their wilderness enemies will abort their lambs in order to preserve themselves. Now, considering animals follow mating seasons, uh, one single predator then can potentially wipe out generations of sheep. This is a financial blow to the shepherd who relies on the growing flock of sheep in order to meet the demands for wool for meat. 
All this to say that shepherding is serious and meticulous work. So when David names God my shepherd, he's not simply giving God this lovely and enduring title. He is acknowledging God's responsibility as the one who must provide diligent and daily care and sustenance, us, the sheep. So now that we have contemplated a bit of the sweet in your mouth part, well, we've come to the bitter in your stomach. Because we know, we know that many of God's sheep have spent far and above their fair share of time in the dark valleys just aching to feel a hint of protection from God's rod and staff. So what do we do with this passage? When today in this so-called great nation, 10% of households are food insecure? Where are those lush pastures again? And how about the cool, clean water for Flint, Michigan? What do we do when we know that so many people have died at the hands of their enemies instead of feasting in their presence? When those enemies look like politicians who would rather ban the words sexual orientation than tell a child that sometimes two people of the same gender fall in love with one another? When the enemies look like politicians who would rather pass laws about books and bathrooms to protect kids than actually protecting them from the one thing that is statistically most likely to actually kill them by your arms. When those enemies look like depression and anxiety, trauma and bullying, racism, homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia, what do we do with this passage? Well, the short answer is this. We remember that it's written from the perspective of the sheep. This is a prayer of trust in God from the people of God. Now, make no mistake, multiple times in Scripture, God promises these things to us. But this specific time, it is people of God praying to God. It is a prayer spoken of trust, spoken with the confidence of a now-seeing man saying, I don't know how, but I couldn't see and now I can. It's a prayerful expression of trust in God's ability to deliver sustenance and protection and delight even when we find ourselves lost in the valley of darkness. Now, we are not sheep despite what maybe some media outlets would tell you. So, unlike sheep, we can choose, if we'd like, to say that we've had too many unanswered prayers to trust the shepherd. We have too many enemies, not enough comforts. Our cups are not brimming with blessing. And where is this good and mercy anyway? We can decide that this psalm is best left to funerals. Or we can be brave 
and we can speak brave words. When I was a nanny, I came across this concept of brave words somewhere. I don't remember where, but it's a fairly simple idea. When the littles that I nannied, specifically the five-year-old, were feeling scared and worried, we would practice brave words. We talked about how sometimes just saying brave words and pretending we feel brave can actually make you feel a little braver, even if we're still worried or scared. We stated bravely that buses are big, and big doesn't mean scary. That vegetables might not taste good, but who cares when we get to eat the fruit after? That vaccinations might hurt, but we're bigger than needles. Now, I'll warn you, just be careful because this can backfire. She confidently stuck out her leg to her doctor and told her that uh, she's not even scared of shots because she sees needles all the time at home. <laughs> she did not. <laughs> needles at home. But these are brave words. So, thankfully, the doctor left off and we continued with the vaccinations. Just good morning. So friends, I invite you to eat these words. May this song become your daily bread. On your best days, may it be a prayer of gratitude for sustenance, for protection, for delight. And on your darkest days, may these be brave words of trust, even if spoken from the mouths of still worried sheep. Amen. invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.